0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Baby Spring, We have a couple of really awesome guests with us today. And I think I'm, my mic is echoing. I forgot to turn it off over here. So uh, if that fixes my issue. Am I echoing it's for anybody else? big time.
1: All
0: right. Give me a second. Cara. why don't you take over and introduce the show? I'm going to try to fix it.
1: It seems better now. <laughs> oh, no.
0: I was just trying to get out of doing the show. That's why I, I see, it never works oh, out in my favor.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: Monday, we really got to move this show from Mondays. I feel like we would not have any issues if it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or any other day. Uh, existed. But uh So welcome to another episode of WCM Fireside Chats. My apologies for the mic issues in the background. Uh, I am still traveling and in new areas, and so Uh, Super excited to be here with a couple guests. Andrea, Mike, uh, Casey, Dylan is joining us too. We're going to have those guys introduce themselves today. We're talking about solar power and Casey keeps dropping off. He's got bad internet connection, stuff like that. So uh, he's going to join us. And then we also got, I think, Wade Elliott is going to make an appearance who works for utility supply group uh, and and knows a lot about the power requirements and things like that. So uh, we are available as a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, all those kinds of places. So You can listen to us later. Uh, and if you're watching live on uh, one of the many Facebook pages, Canadian Camping and RV Council, WCM Fireside Chats, or what else? Campground Management, sorry, uh, or Insider Perks, you can comment uh, on the chat, and we'd love to get you guys involved in the conversation as well. So uh, let's just start with, I guess, Andrea, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about
2: you.
3: Um, hi, my name is Andrea Newman. Um, I own uh, a couple campgrounds, uh, and the one we're going to talk about today probably is the uh, Kansas City East KOA. Um we recently I, installed a, a solar farm there and uh it just went most of it just went live if, uh last month.
0: Wow. Oh I, I didn't know, I guess maybe I missed that in the pre-conversation. You never said Kansas City East KOA. Um I worked with uh the Lawrence KOA for a while, Kansas City oh. West KOA, right? Actually yep. we still do. Yeah. Um So yeah, very familiar with the area. And I don't think I've ever driven to your park, but we work with Basswood up to the north of you too. Oh, okay. Um, So yeah, really beautiful area and interesting. Yeah, definitely to learn more about how your build process and stuff like that. So uh, Casey, let's get your intro in before you disappear on us again.
4: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully my internet connection holds through this. So I am a third generation manager at the Belmont State College.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Belmont State College, I'm going to guess PA, because that sounds familiar, uh, but we'll hope we'll get Casey back here. Mike, you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, Contemporary and all the great things you guys are doing?
2: Sure. I uh, am Vice President of Operations for Contemporary Resorts and Residences. Uh, we manage upscale luxury manufactured home neighborhoods and upscale luxury RV resorts, a uh, couple in, in Camp Verde, Arizona, and spreading out our wings into California and Oregon and South Carolina. Uh, and we have a large solar installation at our RV resort in Camperty, Arizona.
0: All right, very cool, very cool. We're going to definitely dive into some of those details. Casey, second time's a charm. Really, it's three, Try again. so we're, we're going to cut out again. It's okay. You've, you've still got one more. Go ahead.
2: Yeah.
4: Okay. okay. So uh, yeah, uh, third generation owner operator at BelFont KOA campground in Pennsylvania, we have a solar field that we opened about two years ago. So we've been using the electricity uh, from it for about two years now. So
0: very cool. Very cool. So um, obviously, like there's a ton to dive into here, right? So let's let's just ask, I guess my first question is, is how did you guys get into solar? And we'll just kind of go around right real quick. Uh, what made you want to put it in at your park? to begin with. Andrea, you want to start?
3: Um, Well, I mean, my my first main reason was that I am concerned about the environment, and I wanted to, and I saw this as an opportunity because because we use so much electricity. This would be a more significant impact than some of the other things you can do to help the environment. So I thought, I have this opportunity. I'm going to use it. But another little dirty secret about solar is it makes sense financially; it, it makes money in yeah. a very short time. And so, don't tell anyone, but it's a great deal. We
0: <laughs> you <laughs> so. won't. Your secret is safe with us. I promise.
3: Yeah. We don't share.
0: No, you're right. You're right, though. I mean, there's all there's all kinds of benefits, and especially as the technology has kind of grown up over the last twenty years, right? In the beginning, it was a lot more expensive. Now it's gotten so much more cheaper and able to be more scalable and it doesn't need all the direct sun that it needs to, right? And we'll, obviously you guys know a lot more about that than I do, but um, the technology has been improving at such a rapid rate that it's it's easier to kind of build in now. So uh, Mike, uh, I know you're new at New Air Chit Contemporary, right? Um, were the solar panels at VRRV before you came?
2: They were installed as um, part of the... Uh, maybe phase one of the development, uh, late in the phase, you know, we'd work with an energy consultant um, who said that there would be a good return. And then uh, we probably overspent on purpose um, because we transitioned them or or double used them for uh, kind of covered premium spaces as well. And so the structure that we have with the solar, you know we really overbuilt it from you know really just you know using the structure for solar energy so that we could also have that double use of uh premium and then it powers about a quarter of our park or so
0: very nice and are you going to keep building it to the point where it gets to 100 percent, are you happy with where it's at or
2: no i think um it's it's quite an investment um certainly quite a cash outlay um and i think we're happy where it is I think we're happy where it is right now, and especially, you know, our location in Arizona, you know, with the amount of sun that we get, um, you know, there's definitely a a, a payout, um, and it does pay about 60% of our utility usage in that area, that quadrant, uh, if you will, but it's a little bit cost prohibitive to kind of add it after the fact, for us anyway, the, the way we would want to do it.
0: Makes sense. And so I, I, now we definitely want to dive into that, like the cost value proposition. Right. But let me let Casey first introduce uh, himself and kind of Casey, we were just asking, um, I know you introduced yourself, but just asking why solar was a focus at, at your property.
4: Sure. So, you know, I've, we've always considered ourselves uh, progressively minded and we want to be part of the solution as a business, not part of the problem. Um, So that kind of started us looking. And then whenever we looked at it, we found a lot of good uh, incentive programs from the government uh, that made it a lot more affordable and seemed like something that was actually really reasonable.
0: Oh, shit. I feel so bad for Casey, yeah. Um, He'll be back on. He's going to jump in and out with us. But uh, Kara, what have you heard from some of the parks in Canada? What are they doing with solar?
1: Uh, We do have a few. uh, I, I personally know a park actually uh near me that installed field as well. They're um producing, you know, more than enough power to I believe at certain times of the year they're actually overproducing and uh contributing kilowatts to the greater area to the grid. So and they received a ton of government uh well not a ton probably, but they did absolutely receive some government grant uh, funds and things like that as well. So we're we are definitely seeing government support on uh, in the majority of our provinces here. Um, there are a couple of other campgrounds that I know of that um, you know are are pursuing this as well for, for all the reasons Mike and Andrea and Casey are talking about already. I think there's a big appetite from consumers. in canada to you know support businesses that are that have that progressive mindset and are making those um choices that they value for their own you know where they want
0: to so that's a it's an interesting thing and we mike had touched on it briefly just the power return on investment stuff like that the amount of sunlight they get in arizona how does that impact first in canada right because that's an interesting thing right i mean obviously you get the same amount of sunlight as other areas, but is it is it different because of the positioning of you like being farther north?
1: Yeah, well, and I think that has, that ties into the technology improvement conversation you brought up earlier, you know, I think things are really improving on the technology side um, and, and we're seeing so many companies, you know, energy pros that are able to really strategize things like time of the year and, you know, relation to, in relation to, you know, Sun positioning and all of those things to really maximize, um, you know, the the investment dollars and all of that. So, um, I will say there are, despite it being cold, we do get a lot of sun. And some, you know, here in in Alberta where I live, it can be, you know, minus thirty degrees, but it's still sunny outside. Uh, so we do see, you know, some significant production despite quite cold temperatures
0: welcome uh, mr wade elliott uh can you hear us okay i can can you hear me
1: yes sir yes
0: we can so uh do you want we, we had already gone down and done introductions and i guess probably we should acknowledge that mr ben quiggle was unable to join us this morning uh we're really missing him uh he's having some issues with his rental car and so uh he's gonna try to jump on with us a little bit later if he wants but uh for now Kara's is leaving the show and i'm just kind of talking where i'm needed so uh wade um tell us a little about your yourself your company how you guys are involved in solar for those of us who don't know or those of them who
5: don't know so i um i'm uh, the general manager uh used to be the uh, owner of utility supply we were recently purchased uh, by a large international uh, based company with a large presence in the u.s and canada um that that company is, is Rexel. um uh, known in the U.S. as Rexel, Jexpro, and Platte. Um, in Canada, they're Winterborne or Winterburn, uh, amongst others. Um, but Utility Supply Group has um, uh, concentrated on RV parks, campgrounds, uh, and marinas in the U.S. and Canada. Um, as far as solar, uh, you know, my our our uh, um our uh, extent in solar is solar lights and in in advising people on, on other issues i think uh, we've we've had a couple of customers that um that um, um i'm thinking of uh, of the uh, koa in tucson that that did this uh probably four or five years ago now um and and I think most people and, and Mike could probably uh, um, uh, confirm this. Most people, it's it's not necessarily powering the park, but using it to offset offset um, uh, expenses uh, by by putting back out on the grid, uh, mm-hmm. especially in well, depending on where your park is, the the, the sunshine or lack of sunshine because it's night. Um, you know, can can affect uh, in some places where when you need the power the most.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. And we were we were we were talking about that a little bit. Kara was talking to us about Canada and the different types of things. And so how does the how does it work for you, Andrea, in Kansas City? Like I feel like we've talked to Kara who's in the north, we talked to Mike who's in the south. You're right in the middle, basically. So yeah. how does the how does the sunlight and the technology, if at all, does it impact you now that it's improved so much or?
3: Um well Missouri does you get a little, you know, snow and things like that, and so when snow is covering your panels, you you don't get much. Right. Uh, yeah. anything. But um, since in it, since most of your customers come when this when the sun is out, <laughs> it's it's kind of actually perfectly suited for. Uh, well not the the south side you know where they need it all the time but for the ones that shut down during the winter or have lower customers during the winter it's perfect because the solar output goes down at the same time that their need for it goes down so it's not that you're necessarily not making enough to cover your usage um and so uh I, you know for, we've only had that on for uh, fully on for about a month but the parts that we did have on were covered with snow we weren't making any you know I was like what's going on <laughs> and they're like we have snow <laughs> so that's how you that's how you, it happens so but if there's sun you're making money you know you are making you're generating energy and, and in our case send it back to our utility company and so then they will give us a pittance of a, of a refund for the extra energy we send them
0: Does this this change the calculations when you're looking to install in a Kansas City or a Pennsylvania or Arizona? Does it change the calculations for cost, offset, benefit, those kinds of things? Go ahead, Casey. I
2: think you're on mute, Casey.
4: Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does affect the, the calculations. But one thing we actually had, our installer has software that they were able to look at previous uh, weather data for the past seven years and see what the average kilowatt generation would be where we were putting the solar field using you know longitude, latitude, GPS coordinates. So it, it does affect the, the cost to benefit Um, But you can plan for that and you can know that before you do the project, so
0: Okay,
2: yeah, I think Like with anything I think learning, you know, is, is important and so, you know The park has now been open about a year and a half. The solar has been active Almost that whole time and so, you know, we thought we knew we were getting into but as we look at the data We just didn't really understand until now. We've got a year and a half worth of information and so for example, you know, we, shame on us, we didn't realize that we were accruing credit each month. And then in December, APS, which is our local utility company, credits us what we have been earning all at once. So when we did our budget, you know, 14 months ago for 2020, we didn't budget that way. And so our December bill was way down. And then when we finished our budget in November of last year for this year. We didn't know that. So we didn't get the credit in January and February and went, oops. Um, so, you know, from a month by month standpoint, there's these these swings based on how they calculate your credits and then as we've been talking about you know kind of time you know time of location and then also time of use as we learn more and more about it i mean it seems counterintuitive right but we didn't realize understand the length of day uh daylight um would make such a difference right so in the winter time of course you know we got maybe you know 10 hours of sunlight and in the summertime, you know we could have 16 and so clearly our energy generation is higher in the summer when our occupancy is lower and our you know, generation is lower in the winter when our occupancy is higher. So our bills and how we budgeted were kind of way off kilter just because and, and when we were ramping last year, we were still ramping. So we didn't have our occupancy trends yet. And uh, so needless to say, it's been very helpful as we understand you know, how much we're getting a credit now and how much each month is powering. Um, and how the utility company is working, but now that we understand the patterns and how it works, we're a lot further down the line and, and the complexity of it.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Now, I want to bring in Wade and Wade, can you just tell us, like I, Ben said, you maybe only have a half hour with us this morning, so I wanted to involve you real quick. Um, how does it work from a pedestal power distribution standpoint with all the hardware? Is there a difference? Does it change for the park
5: or? For for solar, uh, actually, Ben had told me we would be discussing electrical vehicles here. So well, we might be. I Ben like again. Ben kind of filled me in the last
0: minute. He had those uh, last minute discussions. So we can definitely touch on that in a second. Yes.
5: Okay. So um, again, as I mentioned, uh, um, really from from a solar standpoint, it's it's really about feeding feeding power back into the system. The 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 pedestal on site um um does not change uh, whatsoever because it, it just it, it sees power it doesn't care if it's coming from solar or from from the uh grid or where it's coming from
0: okay makes sense so it's, well, yeah let's talk about electric vehicles for a second uh because this is obviously green energy new things are coming down the pipe and campgrounds need to be prepared for it so um how do you how does your company or what are you involved in with setting up some of those campgrounds for future success
5: a couple of big things um first of all i i think campgrounds are perfectly situated uh they're typically along routes that are traveled um whether you know whether you're looking for customers to come in um that aren't campers that that are just looking for a charge um and spend time in your store your camp or or walk your park, uh, you know. It's a good. I think it's a good uh, marketing idea to to advertise that that you've got you've got an electrical vehicle charging station. Um, but the the real problem or the real concern that I have inside RV parks are that that um, most I would say, if not most, everybody has access to to um, the ability on the internet to find a, a a adapter that will adapt the 50 amp receptacle in an R V park to allow them to charge their car. And, and that, that's that causes that causes a couple of big problems. First of all, that adapter is not UL listed. It doesn't have all the safety devices. Um it doesn't automatically shut off when the car is charged. It doesn't turn on um, any exhaust fans, if needed. And oh, by the way, if you're not metering, guess who pays for that? And in um, uh, a non-Tesla car, uh, the charge uh, could cost anywhere from um, four to six dollars, depending on your your kilowatt rate. Um, I, I made that assumption using I think eleven or twelve cents a kilowatt hour. Um, And again, I I stress a non-Tesla, because a Tesla takes a lot more to charge. And so um, in in order to have an electrical vehicle um, in what's called EVSE, Electrical Vehicle Service Equipment, in order to have an electrical vehicle charger that's hooked up correctly, it has to be on its own own connection. It can't be in a loop feed like park RV sites are. It has to be its own connection because when you plug that electrical vehicle in, it draws 32 amps and it draws 32 amps for the entirety of the charge. Um, if you have a number of, if you have them looped together uh, in an RV park, um, the RV park assumes that not everybody's going to be at full power all the time, but if you put a bunch of these in at full power all the time, you're going to start popping breakers. So. The the real concerns uh, going forward are um, people using those devices to plug in their car um, when they sh- where they shouldn't be. The other big concern is is people that are coming in with an electrical vehicle that's that's the tow behind. Um, they can plug that into their 20 amp and just let it sit there overnight and charge. And uh, if if you're not metering your overnighters, guess who pays for that? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not asking what kind of vehicle it is and if they're gonna charge it and charge extra for it and, and you're not metering, guess what happens to your expenses? Um so I, I think that um it it really you really have to pay attention as as more and more electrical vehicles are out there, especially the pull behind that you ask the question, you know, are are you driving or do you have a pull behind? Um, we charge we we charge extra for you to plug in your 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 pull behind into the 20 amp and charge it. Or if you need to, here's our electrical vehicle charging station and and we charge whatever it is you want to charge to do that. The, those cost between two and three thousand dollars, a lot more than electrical pedestal, because it, it has a lot of safety features on it. And it it does need to be GFI protected on on that as well. So those are the big concerns that we have in RV parks: is is that number one, they they've got the power and, and they've got the space and they're well suited for it, but they have to be they have to be prepared for it.
0: So what is the easiest way, in your mind, for an RV park to kind of pivot and and offer these kinds of services if they want to, without? I mean, obviously, there's going to be an expense, right? But without a massive expense, without massive infrastructure changes, dig ups, builds, those kinds of things, while also making sure that the customer isn't getting angry like a resort fee thing, with them.
5: Well, I think you you start off by finding out exactly, you know, what your customer base is doing. You know, you ask the question when they come in. Are um, you, pull, you know, do you have an electrical vehicle that you're going to charge? um you know if you're going to plug it into the 20 amp we we want to we want to charge an extra five bucks or whatever you want to charge to do that um and and you just you kind of keep track and figure out okay do i really need do i really want uh what's in my area do i want to attract the the drive-by electrical vehicle that's looking for a place to charge and if they come in what are they going to do while they're here do we have trails that they can walk while their car is plugged in do we have a a store that they can spend an hour or so in um or a place for them to sit and read their book and enjoy the quiet you know it's it's really kind of how you market yourself um and and i think that's that's important to how you go about it but there i think the right way to start is to is to start asking questions and find out exactly what your market is or what it could be before you hey, he
0: spend any money. Well, we've got a surprise for everyone. Mr. Ben Quiggle is gonna join us here. Uh thank I you just, finally I, get to the questions that we're apparently supposed to be asking Wade that I didn't know we were supposed to be asking him. So uh, I decided ben. that I decided ben, ben.
6: that I should probably show up. Brian, it's nice to see you're in a new new area. So
0: in a this wide open a, space this too. This a virtual background. It's not really where I'm at. So
6: oh, oh okay. Really All right that's a pretty classy background. So (laughs) with the fireplace going and everything, that looks pretty nice. Well, hi everyone. Sorry. I was a little late. I had some issues. I'm, I'm at the Michigan RV conference. I had some issues with my rental vehicle this morning. So uh, that went pretty well though. So we've got all that fixed. So
0: is it um, a gas powered vehicle? Maybe that's the issue. It's not an EV. (laughs)
6: No, no, my issue is I ran over a screw uh, and it, my tire didn't like it very much so um, that was one of the main issues so um, hopefully everyone is doing okay its yeah. nice to see some of you in person for the first time like Andrea Casey um, so and uh, Wade uh, it's great to see you and um, I was just listening in the last five minutes or so to to, to what Wade was saying a lot of good information there so
5: I um, sorry Ben I've I've got I've got to go to my next meeting that's, that's great of, yeah but, uh, yep. Uh, I was a little time limited this morning, but um, if if we want to follow up with another another session, we could do that.
6: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew you a, had to leave. So I think
5: there's um,
0: a lot of useful things with pedestals and electrical and some of the EVs that I really would like to dive into. Maybe in a different show with you, Wade. But we can go okay. ahead kind of for. Us. Certainly. Cool.
2: Could I ask a different question on electric vehicles? Um, so Ben, you you had mentioned that you know when you had reached out that you know it'd be still an electric vehicle topic, and listening to Wade speak and um i'm curious what the the reach or or the commonality of that is right now um certainly in my comp set i i haven't seen you know any granted i'm in the you know wild wild west of arizona um you know if i was in seattle you know maybe we'd have much more ev usage but i'm curious how broad you know, people are seeing electric vehicles at campgrounds. What are those trends? You know, because I'm just thinking to myself, you know, $3,000 for an electric vehicle pedestal at $5 a day, you know, that's a that's a lot of electrical vehicle charges. Um, yeah. So.
1: I, I have to say, and you know, I'm up in Canada, so like you mentioned, the environment is probably different, but I used to, prior to working for CCRVC, I owned an RV park. Um, and I would say probably five years ago already, um, I had, for the first time ever, a gentleman show up in my park off the highway and was like, you know, I'm, I'm running out of gas here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and can I plug my car into one of your sites? Um, and it was really the first time, you know, that light bulb went off in my head where, you know, there's an opportunity here for us to be strategic about this and and use this, you know, we added it to the website and added it as an, as an amenity in the park. And that gentleman actually d- does a weekly trip. And he so he would stop there after that every week. And I actually charged him 20 bucks to, to charge his car. Um, and I, that did start to slowly grow where we got to, um, you know, within a year, I was seeing you know, maybe 15 or 20 in a month that would show up outside of my first, the first guy uh, to, to charge. And I, and I do think that that's continuing to grow. I no longer work there, but um, you know, the, the appetite for those or the need for, to plug in is it's growing with how many electric vehicle sales there are. And I think there's a, the ability to kind of correlate that by looking at, you know, getting your hands on some sales data and usage data and Things like that but um it seemed to be kind of exponentially growing
2: and did you use a converter or an adapter like wade had described as a no-no or did you use one of these specially designed pedestals so,
1: uh, no i didn't have specially designed pedestals but uh, i was fortunate to have uh, my husband was very knowledgeable and had purchased already for his own um, experiences with an electric vehicle, a proper adapter. So we had one on site. And and once this kind of started to grow, we did purchase a few more. Um, but yeah, they were approved, UL rated, all of that. Um, and so that's kind of why we charged more for the, the plug-in right. was because we provided those adapters as well. And then we, you know, it translated into, you know, mini golf sales and (laughs) ice cream sales and all these kind of unexpected things that, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm interested. Oh, we've lost our, both Ben and Brian. I'm interested to hear uh, from you guys in terms of how you your projects are fairly new do you i know mike you already mentioned you probably won't do additions but both andre and Casey, are you planning to expand and and add more or are you satisfied with kind of where things are sitting
3: right now um i'll go um we uh um, it- we built ours to, to, to meet our current need. Um, but ironically, we decided over, uh, just a few, uh, over the summer that we should be adding more sites to our park. So we are going to probably be not fulfilling all of the need of the park. So we probably will be adding more. Um, uh, so eventually we will. And, um, I hear that there are going to be eventually electric RVs and things like that. And so with that, that'll be a whole new ballgame where we're going to have to add. And then I also have another park and so I'm probably going to do another uh, field at that park as well.
1: That's awesome.
3: And what about you, Casey?
4: Sure. So when we built our solar field, we made it to get about 106% of what we use at the park, just to give us a little wiggle, wiggle room there. But we did build a new bathroom and 30 new sites after that. And so we've talked about putting more solar panels in. Uh, the only hesitation we have with that is that the USDA grants and some of the government programs that we use are a lot harder to get a second time. So the cost per panel per kilowatt will be a little bit higher for an addition than it was if we just you know went all in whenever we first did the project
1: right that makes sense It's interesting andre you bring up these electric rvs and i admit my own experience and knowledge about them is pretty limited um do you feel like that's something you're pre-planning for already getting ready to start seeing those show up at your parks
3: uh, well unfortunately i heard about them after i already had the project started so i really haven't uh, had a chance to like impact our current plan i, I would think that it's going to be a little while before it happens and and if so it it could be a big a big project again and then maybe you know there by then things will be different in, as far as solar pricing and things like that as well so hopefully fingers crossed yeah absolutely
2: i'm curious I, yeah. casey and andrea what what size are your parks in terms of acreage and sites
3: uh we have about 70 sites at our park i want to say 13 acres um where we put our solar panels was this unused piece of land near the expressway so we had a nice field field um at my other park i'm thinking of building some kind of shade structures for the rvs and putting it on top of those
2: right how about you casey
4: counting cabin yeah counting cabins and tents and all that were about 150 sites Uh, we have a hundred acres, but most of it's not developed. Um, our solar field too, is down front close to where the highway area is, because that's tends to, it seems to me that that's usually where people have the unobstructed view for the light. Cause obviously you want to put it in a field that there's not going to be shadow on it at certain times of day and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, and that was that's helpful to understand because I'm listening to you describe, you know, your 106% of your usage, and, and we're at about 25%, you know, powers, but we're we're at 70 acres and 415 sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bet you it kind of varies. Based